Okay, leaving. We're going to try tonight, see how things uh, work out, because I'm not sure myself where things are going here. But we're going to try, hopefully, to, um, I'm not even sure what this was called, something with the table or something, something like that. Something like that, okay. Yeah. Let me explain how it works. And the person calls me, she says, you want to speak, what's your topic? I said, you just pick something because I will not know till the day of the speech any idea what I'm talking about. So it's only with the table. Okay, we'll get to the table eventually, hopefully. But we're going to try today. Um, it'll be wondrous if at the end the title actually fits. Um, the, um, we're going to try, I think, to tie together the answers of Sukkot that we just finished. Maybe into the parish of Nayak to see where it goes exactly. Um, and the reason is because, and the reason I want to start with the Yantiv of Sukkot is because I think the Yantiv of Sukkot um, gives us perhaps the focus or the tools to grow in our Avaidus Hashem through the year. We, we have Rosh Hashanah, we have Yom Kippur. We have Yom Kippur, we become, we, Titaru, we become Tar, we become clean from pure, from all of our Averis, we come to an Eila, it's like the climax of the whole day. And then immediately there's the Yantif of Sukkis. And it would seem that the Yantif of Sukkis is, so to speak, our transition period back into what we would call the real world. You know, some people, a little time they wake up a little bit. Most people, Rosh Hashanah, wake up a little bit more. So it's the Mechuva, you do some Chumras, Yom Kippur, by no choice of our own, we fast, we daven all day, etc., etc., and then it slowly fades to the background and we continue life as, as normal. And especially after Sukkot, the next Yantiv is Pesach, is in six months, next Yantiv bin Atayra, okay, of Hanukkah, Purim, etc., etc. But really, for the Shalosh Regalim, this is really the end for a whole half a year. And like we're saying, this is the beginning of what we would call a cold, dark winter, Cleveland gray for sure and uh, we have to figure out how we approach or at least hold on a little bit to what we had in the past month or six weeks or whatever it is how we hold on a little bit to that spirit and um, and to that ruach now the Antiv of Sukkot is very unique because it has two distinct mitzvahs Pesach has one mitzvah if the matzah Okay, not having chametz is related to it, but there's one distinct mitzvah. Shavuos doesn't have really any mitzvah. It's cheesecake doesn't really have a mitzvah to it. Um, Sukkot has two mitzvahs, two distinct mitzvahs. One is sit in the sukkah, and one is shake the dal and mina. They're not really related to each other. Why that is is a sukkah is a real sukkah shmuz, not for not for tonight. But there's a Meshachachma that points out the following. Meshachachma says that there are two ways to serve Hashem. And they're both correct. And they're both necessary. And they're two really different categories of mitzvahs. There's one concept in Taira of a person in control of their desires and in fast not just in control, but sometimes uh, diminishing a person's desires, overcoming a person's natural desires.
And then there's the concept of taking your natural desires and channeling them towards Kedusha, towards Mitzvahs, towards Avaitis Hashem. And they both have their place. Because they, you need both of them. And the Mashiachachma says that in the Yadzev of Sukkis we have both of these mitzvahs, or at least these types of mitzvahs. The first mitzvah we have is the mitzvah of Sukkah. Now we all know that um, all the Mepharshim asked why do we have the Yantav of Sukkot in Tishrei it should be Nisan we came out of Mitzrayim in Nisan the Ananiyah Kavid followed us out of Mitzrayim in Nisan why are we going to a Sukkah to remember the Ananiyah Kavid in Tishrei so one of the most famous Terutim to this question is that in the springtime, everybody's going out to their huts and their gazebos and their backyards and their patios and eating outside and having picnics. And if we would go out to our sukkah, it wouldn't be clear that we're doing it for the mitzvah. Tishrei time, everybody else is on their way back in. They're packing up all the summer stuff and putting it away. And all of a sudden, the Jews go, they make a sukkah and they go and eat outside. It's very clear, it's getting colder, it's rainy. It's clear we're doing it because this is the mitzvah. But the Meshachachma takes it a step further. And he says, it's more than just showing we're doing it for a mitzvah. You have to realize, a lot of the Torah, it's not tied in necessarily to what I'm going to say, but it's very clear from the Torah that a lot revolved around the harvest and the farmer's, so to speak, schedule. Even the names of the Yavim Taivin, Chaga Kotzer and Chaga Asif, these are Yavim Taivin that revolve around harvesting and, 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 and gathering in, etc., etc. So says the Meshachachma, in the farmer's world, so the harvest season begins Pesach time. And it lasts from Pesach to Shavuos throughout the summer. They leave, they harvest everything, they leave it out to dry in the fields during the summertime. And it comes Sukkot, it's called Chag HaOsif, because then the rainy season is going to begin. So you don't want everything to get wet, it will get all spoiled. So after dried out the whole summer in the field, you bring it in back into the silos and into wherever the storage place is. And really this is the end of the, the started Pesach time and it ended now Sukkot time. And then eventually there's going to be plowing and planting and so on and so forth. But it takes some time until the rainy season begins and then the next planting season um, commences. Now, the, a person after six months being busy out in the fields, harvesting, still blows my mind every time, you know, you drive on down the 80 or the turnpike and you see these fields and, uh, and these cornfields and these, whatever they are, and they're, and either sometimes they're in the middle of harvesting, sometimes they're not, these are gigantic, gigantic things. And, they, and the farmers are there and, and they're there with their uh, motorized uh, farm uh, vehicles or whatever it is, and still, I, I can't imagine how they don't get bored and go out of their mind from it. But yet this is their life and you imagine how it was without uh, um, motorized vehicles and with using uh, animals and so on and so forth it was a very long and tiring six months that a person worked in order that they should have food for the next year they didn't have Parnassar for the next year so what does the person want to do at that moment what does the farmer want to do he wants to go into his nice warm house sit down on his easy chair take out a book relax and enjoy himself. He works so hard. It's time now to go back inside. He's been out in the hot sun for months. He's been out in the field. He wants to go inside 
every bit of his natural tendencies and desires is go sit down with a nice hot cocoa and enjoy yourself. And yet, at that point, when the person has the biggest desire to sit inside in the warm inside and relax, says the Tyra, go out of your diras keva, go out of your permanent house, build yourself this little hut. I just spent the six, last six months outside in the elements. I need to now be in a hut, and now it's getting cold, and it's getting rainy, and I have to go eat there, and I have to drink there, and I have to sleep there, and spend my time there. That's exactly the opposite of what I want to do, says the Tyra, yes. That is what the mitzvah of sukkah teaches you. That sometimes you don't do what you want to do. You do what you're supposed to do or what Hashem wants you to do even if it's not what your natural instincts and desires are. Because part of the, what we would call, I would guess, the the uh, the avayda, I don't know the right word I'm looking for in English, but the avayda of what the Torah tries to teach a person or to train a person is to be in control of themselves. My mind is in control of what I do and what I don't do. Not my heart, my desires, my tithes. Those aren't in control of me. It's a very hard thing. Most people, they are in control of them. But yet the Torah teaches a person and trains a person how they should be in control. And it's something every person has to be cognizant of because that is what we call but that's what many of the mitzvahs revolve around. And really, without even knowing it, there's a lot that we do that we are in control. On Shabbos, you can have the biggest desire to turn on the light, but most, you know, from people won't turn on the light. Why? What do you mean? It's dark in here, I need to read. Well, why won't you turn it on? What do you mean? Anyone else? Are you crazy? Turn it on. But I'm in control. Why am I in control? Because it's very common to me. It's very serious. Shabbos is serious to me. So I walk into a mall or whatever I walk into and I smell cinnamon, smells like delicious uh, cinnamon, whatever it is. And I have the biggest desire for it. I'm not going to eat it. There are so many things that we've trained ourselves and trained our children and we've been trained from childhood that we really are in control. Waiting between meat and milk. You can have the biggest time for the ice cream. You're about to eat it. Someone says, you're flashics. And I say, don't eat it. And so on and so forth. There's many mitzvahs like that. And we don't even realize in how many aspects we really are in control. We have so many times that we, re- we think that we're not in control. Most of those things hopefully revolve around not isurim, you know, things that are above and beyond the uh, chasidus or so on, kedoshim tiyu, you know, extra tithes, extra hanos, you know, ilamazeh. But that is the job of Torah to train a person that my mind is in control. I'm in control. My stomach doesn't control me or my desires don't control me. The person has to go on a diet. They have to train themselves to control themselves not to walk just because you walk by the cookie jar. doesn't mean you have to take something. You have to, it's a very hard thing. Your hand is like going there. Every person, you just got to take one, just one cookie. Right? One cookie on the way there, one cookie on the way back. How many times do you go back and forth? You find an excuse. So who's in control? I'm not in control. My stomach's in control. My desire's in control. Not even my stomach. My stomach's probably sick already from it. Just uh, for something else that's in control. Part of training oneself in Avaizus Hashem is that my mind should be in control. So, many times the way that has to be done is by doing things that are against my nature. Then I, my nature doesn't want me to do it, but I'm going to do it anyways because I have to break that. I want to be in control. 
And that's what the mitzvah of sukkah represents. You want to stay inside, enjoy yourself? Says the Torah, no. Now is when you go out of your house. Everyone else wants to go into their house. And so do you want to go into your house. I'm going to teach you. You're going to break your desire. Why? Because you're going to follow what the Torah wants you to do. Then there's another concept. And that is channeling your desires towards Avaidus Hashem. The Dalit Minim, it's Chag HaOsif. says the Meshach that you find by many of the Goyim, many of the nations, the Indians we know for sure, Native Americans as we call them nowadays, that they make, uh, you know, harvest festivals. Right? After the harvest is done, they have a festival and they celebrate and they, and, and, and they jump around and they dance and they sing with all the different types of fruits and vegetables that they harvested. So, on a very simple level, says the Meshachachma, that's really what the Dalaminim are all about. The Dalaminim are about taking the natural simcha. person is coming after, again, like we said, a full harvest season, and if it was a good harvest, as tired as they are and they want to sit at home and relax, but they're full of joy. It was successful. They feel good about themselves. Says the Torah, what should you do with that simcha? Channel it. And that's why there's a special extra simcha on Sukkot. Because there's natural simcha in this time of year. Channel it towards Usmachtam Hashem Take the Dalit Minim, which represent things that grow. Do a mitzvah with it. You're excited about your harvest. You're excited about your emotions and your desires. Channel them to Avaidus Hashem. Beauty. Beauty is a concept that is a physical concept, creates other. You have a beautiful fruit. So on and so forth. All the different emotions that a person has, there are times when they need to be suppressed and the person has to be in control. And there are times also that instead of suppressing them to be in control, we channel them towards Avaidus Hashem. We channel them to use for a mitzvah. So says the Meshach Achman, that's the Dalaminim. So Sukkah and the Dalaminim represent the two categories of mitzvahs that there are throughout the whole Torah. So I was thinking, what's the shot? Why Sukkah is, do you have these? Uh, so, what Meshach Achman is saying, the simple understanding is because this is the time of year for both aspects. This is the time when we can teach both lessons. But could be it's more than that. And that is that as we're now starting our new year, you come right off of Yom Kippur. And now it's a fresh start. So now a person has to train themselves. You're like starting over almost. You have to train yourselves in how to serve Hashem. So right away, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Okay, there are two main categories. And there are two mitzvahs you're going to do right now. Begin your training in your new year in both categories of mitzvahs. I don't want to pick one and not the other because... This is what I'm teaching you now. It's the beginning of your chinuch, so to speak. You're starting off a new year. You have a clean slate after your kipper. Let's start with the sukkahs. Now in sukkahs, I'm going to teach you how to serve Hashem. Well, there's two categories of mitzvahs. Sukkah and Dalaminim. Now that you've learned both categories, now you'll see both lessons as you continue on your travels through the year, through the Torah, through the Mayadim, through everything else, through the mitzvahs. You'll see each one and hopefully you'll be able to understand to a degree, the lesson that each mitzvah is trying to teach us. So that's your side number one when it comes to sukkahs. But besides for that, sukkahs is also a time that we get our priorities straight. It's a time when a person has to rethink, are my priorities straight? And this is a good time to do it. You're coming off Yom Kippur. And again, you want to start the new year fresh. 
And you have to think, uh, what's going to change from last year to this year? So let me see if I get my priorities straight. So what does that Kaddish Baruch Hu say? You live in a house. Okay? You live in a house. It's called the Dirith Keva. It's a permanent uh, abode. I want you to go out of your permanent abode and you're going to go into a Dirith Arai. You go into a temporary abode called the Sukkah. Now it's very interesting because it's really the opposite. Your permanent house is not really so permanent. Right? It's all part of this physical transient world. It's not going with you. And when you're in the sukkah, which we call your temporary house, you're surrounded, the, the sukkah is the Anani covered, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's house. You've gone out of your physical house into a spiritual home. This is eternity. Mitzvahs, the sukkah, that's eternity. That's something that's really kava. That's the permanent thing, is the sukkah. But yet, in the way we view things, we're only here for seven days. It's a shaky house, it's a leaky house, it's not even a good roof. And, and that's my permanent house. What does the Torah want from us? The Torah doesn't expect us to live outside in the sukkah the entire year. You have a house, you're allowed to live in your house. No problem. If you sit in the sukkah the whole year, the shame mitzvah sukkah, you're right around Israel, called Baltais. If you're not allowed to add to mitzvah, the mitzvah sukkah seven days, or eight days, and chutzlarts, and zahu, and that's it. But what does the Torah want to tell you? Sometimes you get stuck in that house. It's a beautiful house, and it's a warm house, and 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 the will be uh, decorated, however it's decorated, etc., etc. Sometimes we get very stuck in the trappings of Elamazah, and the Torah tells us it's time to get out. Go out into the sukkah. You know what? You have to eat breakfast. Eat breakfast in the sukkah. You have to sleep. Sleep in the sukkah. You have to spend your time in the sukkah. What do you mean? I have to be in my house, in my comfortable, warm house. No, you don't have to be so comfortable and warm. It doesn't have to be like that. It's wonderful. You should thank Hashem that you have a warm house. But it doesn't have to be like that. Some people in Europe, you know, you read these stories, our sukkahs are, 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 are more of a house than they used to live in. Right? Even in Shalayim, in, 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 in many parts. Even now you could go look, if you ever take a tour of uh, Beis Yisrael or Bukharam or different places, Meisharim, you go to some of these homes, there's leaks, there's this, there's that. You know, Rav Yashiv, the Shrine of the Bracha, had a house that... Uh, you probably none of you were ever in this house, but basically to get from the main room, if you see some of the pictures, to the kitchen, you had to go like on a little bit, like a hall. Now that hall, originally, was actually outdoors. There was no roof to it. And they put on this schlocky roof uh, on top of it, just to be, and it used to leak. And you had to go from one room to the next, you had to take an umbrella when it was raining. To go from the kitchen to the main room, to the other room, it would leak. So they, they had taken an umbrella to go from one room to the next. And the Rebetzin, uh, Malah Shalom, Rebetzin Yashiv, so many years ago, Rebbe Yashiv was a dying on the Bezdin HaGaldah in Yerushalayim. And um, at that time, he, his family was mom, starving and so on and so forth. And he needed the money for it. And... Um, and you know, and then he became the Revayash of the God of Adar, and 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 uh, in his later years, when he was already famous and people were bothering him with Shilas and so on and so forth, the Rebbe kept on saying, "I told him that if he's going to go on to the Bezdin Agadol, he's going to become famous, and people are going to bother him. He's not going to have time to learn." She says, "What did we need money for? We needed money because I needed to fix the roof. So he took an umbrella from the room to the kitchen. Who cares if he brought the food umbrella? Who cares?" And that was the way that they lived. So the Torah says, you know, 
you got to go out of your zero's kevan, go into your zero's arai. Why? Because sometimes you have to get your priorities straight. Where's my focus in life? Am I focusing a little too much on my zero's kevan? Am I focusing a little too much on everything has to be so perfect this way and that way in this physical world? Or am I focusing on my Avedis Hashem? Am I on my Akavad? Am I Sukkah? It doesn't have to be so perfect. So not everything is exactly the way you like it. In the Sukkah, if the wall is not exactly straight, or if the light is not exactly bright, it's okay. Why is it okay? Because it's the Sukkah. But that's supposed to teach us that not everything has to be so perfect. Get your priorities straight. And that's all part of the new year. Now to take it a step further, there's another Meshachachma. That's a very interesting thing. At Sukkot we bring 70 parents, 70, um, 70 uh, bulls that for the carbonists for the Goyim. So you have a for the Goyim. Much as we go ourselves, Shivan Parim for the Goyim. Now, the question is exactly what is it coming to atone for for the Goyim? Well, what are we Machaper for? So the Meshachachma on his own wants to say the following. We find there's other times that we bring karbonas, communal karbonas, and Yom Nantayvim. Every Yantif we bring different karbonas, Rosh Chaydish we bring karbonas, Yom Kippur we bring karbonas. Now the Gemara tells us, Rashi and Chumash tells us as well, that we bring karbonas on Yantif for Kla, Yisrael is the Kapara. What's the Kapara? You know, you say like, when you say in Musaf, Vesoyer Lechaper, Ushnei Semidim Kilchasa. What's Lechaper? What's that Soyer, that goat? What's it coming to Lechaper? So the Chazal tell us, something called Tumat Mikdash Vikadosha. That means to say, that if a person, a Jew, by mistake, went into the base of Mikdash Tameh, or he ate a carbon Tameh, and he didn't know about it, or he knew in the beginning, you know, and different variations of why he, he can't bring his own personal carbon. These carbonas, communal carbonas, atone for any such averis that are either unknown or the person is not able to bring his own carbon. So says the Meshach Hachma, that the 70 parim, bold that we bring, and sukkis for the Goyim, are also to be mechaper, to atone for Tumas Mikdash Vikadasha. Says the Meshach Hachma, What's a guy ever doing in the Beit Hamikdash anyway? Or even if he is, how often is he there? And what tumah does he have? And what's he's for sure not eating carbonas? You need seventy parim, seventy different bulls to be mechaper for all the gayim. What they do? Where's the tumas mikdash v'kadasha? Says the Meshachachma, ha'ikar mikdash is kla yisrael. We talk about the Beit Hamikdash as being the mikdash, but really. Every person is a Beis HaMikdash. Klai Yisrael is a Beis HaMikdash. And the Goyim are metameyas. They influence us with their bad influences. And they come and they try to put their culture on us. And that's called making Tameh the Beis HaMikdash. And they need a Kapara for that. They need a Kapara for their being metameh, their impurity on the people of Klai Yisrael. Now, if we bring a carbon for them, that should make us think a little bit. It's one thing when they force it on us, but why do we, like, welcome them in? Right? Why are we welcoming them in? Why are we welcoming in? It's Thomas Mikdash Vikadasha. If we had the keys to the Beit HaMikdash, we would open the door and say, okay, anyone who's Tameh, come right in. So, Yechayev Kar, it's a big deal. Be the time of the Beit HaMikdash. That's like the Ivanin. That's like the story of Hanukkah. We're jumping ahead of the game here. Right? That's not... So why all of a sudden, if we are the, really the base on Igdash, why are we letting the guy in? We have to go bring carbonus for them, because they try to influence us. But we let them in. Part of Sukkis, 
and part of enveloping ourselves in the sukkah, the Anani HaKavid, is insulating ourselves. What did the Anani HaKavid do? They were a separation between us and anyone trying to get in. They threw stones, they, they, they shot arrows. The Anani HaKavid blocked it. It went away. Anytime there was anything in our way, no, it, uh, it flattened mountains, it, 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 it filled up valleys. It took care of us, because we were in this bubble called the Anani HaKavid. Who were we? We were Klai, so Mamachas Kainim Vagai Kaddish. But as we live now in the world, and we have to live in the world, and unfortunately what ends up happening is, the culture seeps in by osmosis, by just the very fact that we live in this world. So for that there has to be Tumas Mikdash Mikadasha. But again, why are we opening the door? So part of Sukkot is not just getting our priorities straight entirely, and where is our focus, but part of it is the understanding that we want to be in the Anani HaKavid. And part of it being in the Anani HaKavid is insulating ourselves from the outside influence. And trying to look around and say, why are we doing this? Why, why are we dressing this way? Why are we eating this way? Why are we talking this way? Whatever it is, fill in the blank. We're doing all of them, so you can fill in whichever blank you want to fill in. Why, why are we doing it? Just because the guy does it? Just because that's what the, what's in? That's, that's well, what whoever decided is the norm? To take a, a better look at ourselves and say, who are we? We're Mamachas Kain and Magai Kaddish. We're royalty. Royalty? Royalty doesn't let anyone else influence them. They influence the world. That's our job. We should be in Arla Eilam. We should be. Now, it doesn't mean we go out and start trying to remissionize people, but just being proper Jews in this world and acting properly is the job of Kla Yisrael. But when we become influenced by the Goyim, then we're being metaminous based on Magdash. What does it say in the beginning of the parasha, parasha Snaya? The entire world was Batishaches. Rashi says, Batishaches, Washan Erva, Arayas. What's our world look like? Avaidazara? Avaidazara doesn't have to mean literally Avaidazara. All different things and all different isms and all different types of, uh, of uh, things that people worship and people make their life into that's not necessarily according to what we would call even quote unquote normal. There's something called normal in the world, right? Not anymore. There used to be something that normal, normalcy to the world. But Okay, so what? So there was Ervan Avaydazara, so the world gets destroyed? Okay, throw Hamas. The Prophet says, Batimala, it's Hamas. Oh, everyone was stealing from each other. They were stealing from each other. Okay, it happens all the time. People are stealing from each other. We're all stealing each other. Why exactly does the world need to be destroyed? There's no way. It's a point of no return. The answer said of Abramsky is because it says Vatishaches Aretz. Who was the one that realized that the world was Vatishaches? Only Lifnei Halekim. Hashem was the only one who realized that this is not normal. To everyone else, this became very normal. Every, no one realized that something was amiss. Vatishaches Aretz. The world was was uh, what's the word Vatishaches that I'm looking for? Uh, corrupted. The world was corrupted. 
Did anyone in the world realize they were corrupted? No, Lifnei Olikim. Hashem realized it. But if one person would have realized it, or maybe more, ten people, let's say, you need ten people to save the world, Noyach probably realized it a little bit. But it was a point that became so normal, the only ones who were left over after the Mabel, who were still, you know, subscribed to that whole uh, life, was Stein. Right? They also lived in a world like that with their own rules and their own things and their own uh, morality and so on and so forth. And their morality was we do what we want. If someone can tell, we chop off their feet for the bed. You know what I mean? And so on and so forth. We have the stories of time. What was the end of time? The end of time was the end of time. They were also destroyed. When it becomes normal and no one realized something is amiss, we snail again, only Hashem, that's a point of no return. The job of Kalal Yisrael in the world, now we have a Kalal Yisrael with the Torah, is to realize that something is amiss. Not to bend over backwards and try to go along with the flow. To realize this is not normal. It's not normal. It's not normal. If it's not normal, why am I following them? Why am I going here? And if they're not normal in 90% of what they're thinking and what they're doing, why am I imitating them in the 10%? You'll say, okay, what's the big deal? So fine. So I know they're crazy. I know that, you know, they're pro this and they're pro that and, and they're pro every type of, of, of toyeva that the Torah calls an abomination. They'll go for it all. Okay, but I like their styles or I like their music or I like this. What's the big deal? That part, is it so bad? What I mean? So in the 90% that they're crazy and I realize that they're immoral and it's Vatishach, it's the 10%, you know, that's, uh, what's the big deal? So, you know, I'll make it a drop longer, the style, so it covers most of my knee or whatever it has to cover, covers most of my elbow, covers most of this, or I'll make the music and we'll just put like a, I don't know, find like a catchy pasuk to put to the music, right? And, and finished, and it became Jewish now. What's wrong? Is it such a big deal? Teretz says no. <laughs> it's 90% of them, uh, of their whole Messias, or even more, whatever, I'm probably being very uh, generous with 90%, is what we would call why exactly am I trying to figure out the 10%? It's like going over to like a drunkard in the street. He's wallowing around in his drunkenness, in the mud, and everything like that. You know, I found like he's, his, uh, his pen, or something, he has a pen stuck in his, to his, to his shirt, or something. And the pen is only like a little bit dirty. It's not like full of mud like the rest of him. So I say, you know what, let me pull that out. What's wrong? I mean, the rest of him, okay. What are you doing? What are you getting here for? What are you getting anywhere there for? It's one big mitzvah. It's called a drunkard. That's that's someone you're repulsed from. Why you want anything from that person? And that's the same thing. And that's what Sukkot tells us. We have to reconsider what our priorities are. We have to re-insulate ourselves. So we don't come chas v'shalom to a mapple that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says Fatishach is hard to Kim what do you do? You need a teva now to save a nayach. It's not so simple anymore. That's the Ganani covered, And that's what we have. We have the sukkah. We have Ganani covered. We just have to put it into perspective. We have a taira. There was a in the times the Gemara tells us in the times of the mapple there was a gigantic animal called the Re'en. Well, it talks how gigantic it was. It just said, you humongous, humongous So the Gemara says, I don't understand. Um, how exactly did it fit into the table? It was like much bigger than the table. So the Gemara says that uh, it put its head into the table. I said, its head? Its head didn't even fit into the table. Its head was bigger than whatever. So I said, it stuck a nostril into the table. One nostril fit into the table. The rest of it hung off the back of the table. So the Gemara says, okay, that's wonderful. But Chazal tell us that the 
the waters of the Mabel were boiling hot. The rice they were bo- bubbling, boiling, bubbling. You could bubble, uh, boil up a pot of water. So how did it live? So the Gemara says, a nice happened. Since it had one nostril in the Teva, a nice happened that the water immediately surrounding the rain was cool. So some of the Mepharshim, they say, you see an unbelievable thing from here. An unbelievable thing. And that's probably what we're supposed to learn after a sukkah. When you're in the sukkah, you're entirely surrounded in an aniakov. You're insulated. Nayak's in the table, he's insulated. But how did the re'ain, how did he get the water to cool around him? He's in the boiling hot water. He's not in the sukkah. We go out of the sukkah. We're back in the big wide world now. We're not focused on Yontif. We're back in doing everything that we need to do in this world. So how do we make sure that we're insulated? How do we make sure that these boiling waters of the world that are boiling and ready to scald us, because believe me, we're welcoming boiling hot water. You ask someone, oh, that water looks so, so, so warm and so inviting. Could you pour some on me? You'll be scalded. It'll be third degree burns. You'll go to the, who knows what. It's scalding water out there. That's what we invite on ourselves when we ask the Goyim to influence us. So how do we cool off the water? How do we protect ourselves? The answer is, you have to stick your nostril into the table. That means to say, even if you don't spend the whole day in a shul, or in a base on edges, if I would be talking to a man, you visit there once in a while. You take a little smell in there, sniff in some air of the base HaKnesses. But we'll take it even further. It's not just the base HaKnesses. Any mitzvah, any davening, if you think about it for a moment, and you ask HaKadosh Baruch Hashem, I want to connect with you. I want to be insulated. I don't want to be like the rest of the world. I want to be a Jew. I want to be an Ayyad Hashem. I want to be someone who's protected from the world. But I'm not in the sukkah, and I'm not in the shul, and I have to go out into the world. As long as you keep that connection, you're breathing in, so to speak, that pure air of the teva, whether it's through a mitzvah that you're doing, whether it's through tefillah, whether it's through Tehillim, whether it's through Brachas, whatever you want to pick, that you want to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and keep that oxygen mask, you know, that falls out of the thing from the airplane that doesn't have to inflate for the oxygen to be flowing. You don't have to see it inflated. You don't have to be in the sukkah. You don't have to be like this mega mitzvah that you're doing that it has to have for the oxygen to be flowing. It doesn't have to be filled up and blown up. The oxygen is flowing as long as you make that connection. you got to make that connection. If you make that connection, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, okay, you know what? You're connected. You're connected. Guess what happens when you're breathing in that pure oxygen? Everything around you gets cool. You become protected. You become insulated. Now, granted, the more you breathe, the better insulated you'll become. The more you connect, the, the thicker, so to speak, the insulation becomes, and the more insulated you become. But don't take for granted any single mitzvah or any single tefillah. You say, well, I can't do it. It's too hard. How could I have kavanah in the whole davening, etc., etc., etc.? That's the defeatist attitude. That's the Eitzahara. That's the Eitzahara who's very happy when we are being influenced by the guy. Because when we're influenced by the guy, he goes down to his easy chair and he goes down to Florida for vacation. He says, to take over from there, I don't need to do anything. Let the guy take care of it. It's when we don't want that influence, the Eitzahara is very upset. And he says, yeah, it's too much. You can't do it. What's the point? So you're going to make one bracha a day with Kavana? What do you think that's going to do? That's the Eitzahara talking. But the Re'en tells us, no, if you're connected, if you have that 
oxygen flowing. You're in a different world. You're not in this world anymore. The water around you is cool. Everything else is being burnt to a crisp in a novel. And the rain is floating around. And like Baruch HaBashan also is floating around there on the back of the... They're, they're jet skiing off the back of the Teva. And everyone's all the, everything else is dying out. And they have cool water like nothing ever happened. Why? The rain is smelling. There's a question what happened with him. But the rain is smelling the air of the Teva. He's connected to the Teva. And just to take it one step further, and then we'll, we'll finish off. I didn't even get to half of anything, what I was going to say. But anyways, uh, we got to the Teva. Uh, but I think this is a very important thing. I'm not sure exactly how it fits in with the whole thing. But the Shwab is a very interesting part in next week's Parsha. Next week's parish, Chazal tells us that Avraham Avinu said, "Hakadosh Baruch Hu Hashem Alikim Mama Eida Keira Shana." And when Hashem used the na- when Avraham Avinu used the name of Hashem, he used the name of Adnos Aleph Dalid Nun Yud. It's the first time anyone called Hashem Adoin, the Master. The Gemara tells us no one called. They called Hashem all different types of names, Alikim, Yukevavke. But the word, the the the, the term. Agnus of Adain that Hashem is a master Avraham Avinu was the first one to call Hashem in the world and Adain so he says a very interesting interesting thing Rav Shwab. he says what's the difference between a Melech and an Adain a Melech is a king and Adain is a master uh, a Melech is in charge of everybody. He has the whole realm, the whole kingdom under him. But he doesn't necessarily have a personal relationship with each of his citizens. And Odin is a master. A master has servants. He has slaves. They're his slaves, but he gives them instructions. He has a relationship with them. Whatever the relationship is, but there's, 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 there's communication between them. There's a relationship. The whole world, until Abraham Avinu, they believe is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's a Malach. He's a Malach over the entire world, the Malach, and this. What does that do with us? We agree he's the Malach. But we have other, that's why we serve the stars and the sun and the moon. Not because we don't believe in Hashem. Of course there's a big Hashem over everything. But who am I? I'm going to go talk to the king. I've got to go talk to the person right on top of me. And he talks to the one on top of him. Etc. Etc. No one bangs on the king's door. Here I am. I want to talk to you. you got to follow the rules of who you talk to. A little uh, farmer doesn't talk to the king. But a person, so the whole world, they understood that Kaddish Baruch was the Melech. Ramavino is Makadish to the world. That's not true. You're making a big mistake. Hashem Yes is a Melech, and we have to believe that as well. But he's also the other. That means he's a master that I have a personal relationship with. I have a personal relationship with him. He's my other. And that's what Avraham Avinu was machadish to the world, that every person has to realize that I'm not just one of a gazillion or of a billion or a million, however many it is. I have a personal relationship. It's a one-on-one. Me and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's not just my Melech, he's my other. And with this, he said, I'm married to He quotes Rav Shamsh and Paul Hirsch, who um, once said over the following words. We say in uh, we say in Davani, and this is why I'm saying this because first of all, Adonai Lam Mishnah has big schools to it. Well, um, 
people that's why in shuls they say Agam and Harayim it's brought down someone says Adayim Elam with with Kavana is like a school that all of his tefillahs will be Neskabal it's a very 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 powerful powerful tefillah Adayim Elam but it's more than that if you look at Adayim Elam Sir Shashat Paul says we start off Adayim Elam like in third person Adayim Elam Hashem the term called Yitzir Nivra Adayim Elam HaKadosh Baruch Hu was the master of the world Hashem Malach he's a Malach he ruled B'Tarem Kal Yitzir before anything was here. Leis Nasa B'Chavzekol and then when he made everything as a Melech Shemai Nikra he's the Melech. And V'Achrei Kichlai Sakol what's going to happen when everything's over? Levado Yimlai Chnaira who's the Melech? He is the Melech. Again we focus Melech, Melech, Melech. Puhoyah, 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 so on and so forth. And all of a sudden we change gears. Puhu Keli he's my Hashem. V'chai Gayali when I'm in a tzara, where do I go? Where's my rock? Where's my strong rock? It's mine. When I need to, first of all, Nisi is like my banner, is my flag. When I need a refuge, where do I go? When I call out, he gives me what I need. etc., etc., etc. Says of Shashif al Hirsh that in this tefillah of Adain Alam, and one of the reasons you should know we say Adain Alam in the, in the morning is because Avram Avinu was Machadish Shachris, and he's the first one to call Hashem Adain, and it starts with Adain, so therefore we say Adain Alam. But it's more than that. Rashashif al is saying an unbelievable thing. We're describing both Yisaidah and Muna that every person has to realize. And that is number one, Akadish Baruch, who is a Malach. He was always a Malach, he continues to be a Malach, he'll be the Malach. And we have to believe that because we have to believe HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Malach and created the world and is but that doesn't take away from the fact that he's Kaili that I have that personal relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. that it's not I'm not just one of a million I'm not just a subject in the kingdom of the Malach he's my master he's my HaKadosh Baruch Hu. when I need something I don't go to anyone else I run to him and he's if a person realizes that if you realize that so then, it's very easy to make this connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which whatever it is, whether it's in davening, whether it's in tefillah, whether it's in chesed, whatever mitzvah you want to pick, you're making a direct connection. It's not a long distance call. It's not a long distance connection at all. It's Kaili. It's not through a million things. HaKadosh Baruch Hu talks straight to me. Who was it? Uh, I just read somewhere, uh, Rabbi Ginsberg from Minneapolis, I think it's from Minneapolis. Um, he wanted to demonstrate, he went to like a at some school or something, I don't think it was more like that, like a Cheja type of school, a real, uh, more uh, a day school type of place, someplace out of town, he wanted to demonstrate the Kayachat Vila. So in front of all the children, he called the White House, and he asked to speak to the President. And, 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 uh, and they told him, I'm sorry, you can't speak to the President. So I have a hundred kids here, they want to speak to the President. They don't want to over, they pushed, they pushed, they pushed. You know, the lady, the operator said, okay, I'll give it to my supervisor. Eventually, after 20 minutes, right, you can't get through. You don't get through to the president. He told every kid. He hung up and he said, but look, but we all can talk to Hashem. They're not going through anybody. We're not black. There's no messages. We are directly connected to HaKadosh Baruch You make that connection, the oxygen begins flowing. The oxygen begins flowing and then you become cooled off in this world. You become insulated and then that's how we go out into this marble that we call our world. If we take all of this, we think about all of these ideas, I guess, Hopefully we'll find where the Teva really is. That was the name of the thing.